Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on topics of interest for you and your family. Today we are discussing COVID-19 and Washer County School District and the reopening process. My guest is Katie Simon-Holland, a member of the Washer County School Board and past president of the Washer County School Board and the trustee representing at-large district west of the county. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Sherry. It's great to be with you. Uh, this is going to be a first in a series of discussions on COVID-19 in Washoe County School District. Uh, Katie and I have uh, calendared out about four discussions, but if we need more, we will have it. And I really appreciate, Katie, that you're willing to come on and talk about what's happening with the school district and COVID. It seemed like, um, if I remember correctly, uh, around the mid-March, and we both know that that was around my birthday, that... Mm -hmm. Everything sort of blew up, and some decisions had to be made very, very quickly. Let's recap what's happened for the school district since, uh, say, mid-March. Well, Sherry, we uh, actually we formed a COVID-19 task force in the school district on March 15th, so immediately when the governor announced that we were going to be closing for a short period of time, uh, we established that task force. and. Fortunately, the Washoe County School District was on spring break for that following two weeks. So rather than just being on break, uh, all of our folks uh, put their heads down and developed distance learning packets uh, and curriculum for every single grade level for every school. So by the time teachers returned uh, from spring break and students uh, started up again, uh, we had uh, a curriculum for every single class, uh, and that's for 64,000 students. Wow, well, that was quite the feat. It was quite the feat. And, uh, and of course, then uh, the process extended, and so um, we went into future phases of distance learning, but we can talk more about that. But um, amazing effort by uh, the team at the school district. Uh, transportation getting those packets out to families, uh, driving them out there. Our um, printing department working 24-7 shifts to get those packets developed. Uh, our nutrition services folks uh, delivering, preparing and, and delivering with the help of the Food Bank of Northern Nevada 250,000 meals so that no child and no family went hungry uh, who were on our free and reduced lunch program. So. Just an amazing effort. That is amazing. And during all this time, were teachers in the classroom? Were they working from home? They were working from home. So we, we closed all of the schools except for uh, you know janitorial staff and folks who were doing cleaning and disinfecting of schools uh, and then some of our uh, lead administrators. But um, yeah, we, we closed all the buildings. That's amazing. So this task force, that was a task force that you started, say, mid-March. Is that... That's continuing on, right? Is that a task force that will continue through the entire pandemic? Yes, and and um, and it's an amazing group of people. Um, we also established um, when we when we knew that uh, we were not going back uh, for the rest of the year, and that this pandemic could go on. We uh, established a reopening task force, and that was um, that's kind of a subset. But both of these task forces meet. Uh, throughout the week, every week, and look at what's the newest information that we have from 
the CDC, from the World Health Organization, from the state uh, health, and from uh, the Nevada Department of Education, as well as other sources all over the country and the world. Um, so let me ask you about the curriculum that went home with the parents. Was is this curriculum something that where the parent needed to to do the learning for the teaching for the child? Well, that um, that the intent was that um, children would have access to a um, a computer if they had one at home and access to the internet. And so the teacher was providing the education every day. Um, we had a goal of every student being connected with every single day uh, by uh, school district personnel. But for those kids that don't have a device uh, and we're using the packet, depending on their grade level and their, you know, their academic uh, uh, achievement level, um, some of them did require parents to be involved. And um, we know that's been a huge, very, very difficult lift for a lot of families because parents were doing their own work from home. Right. Uh, and and of course, you know, many of our teachers and counselors are parents too. So they had their own children to be to be working with. So yeah, that that's been a very uh, very challenging situation and we really appreciate the the patience of all the the families that have had to work with this. And and I know that quite a few parents have have uh asked or they've commented how would their child make up the school year, the part of the school year that they lost? So um, our goal with uh, this school year was to retain learning. And while we were all um, having to make decisions basically on the fly with very little advance notice, um, the decision was made with several guiding principles. Uh, first of all, that all decisions were going to be based on do no harm. Make sure that no one was harmed. And so. Rather than trying to add a lot of new curriculum, um, we made sure that uh, kids didn't lose where they were. Um, we're not going to be asking for them to make up any time, and we're not going to be asking for them to make up any, uh, any curriculum. Um, and that was a very, very heavily weighed decision. Uh, a lot of discussion about that, and a lot of kids are, you know, were, were worried about that. Kids that were in advanced placement classes and all of that. So not to add new curriculum and to make sure that kids retained where they were. Many teachers did give new curriculum. Many teachers did give new assignments and added new things for kids that were ready for it. Um, again, I think what we're getting across to people who um, will end up listening to this podcast is what a monumental task this has been for the Washoe County School District oh, and how yeah. proud you are of the people who uh, made this happen. I, I really am. And just the commitment and the dedication. You know, I mentioned that one of our guiding principles was to do no harm. The second guiding principle was to ensure that students and family and safe and staff basic needs were met, uh, whether that's safety and health or food, mental health, wellness, all of those things. And then to ensure equitable access for all students. And that, that's been our biggest challenge, and we can talk more about that. But we have some 12,000 children in our districts that don't have access to a device and 4,000 households that don't have internet. And many of them are ESL children, right? Correct. And, uh, you know, and, and we have, we also have kids in special education on, on IEPs, independent mm -hmm. education, uh, individualized education plans. Right. Uh, and 
kids on free and reduced lunch. Uh, so lots of special vulnerable groups, and we have a special uh, committee of our reopening task force working on the needs of those vulnerable groups. So those children that don't have computers or in internet, um, can they get free internet from, say, Charter? Is there a program for that? There, there is a, a program for low cost and in some cases no cost uh, from Charter and AT&T, which is part of federal legislation. Um, we have learned that um, it, it isn't uh, as fast as basic internet service. Uh, so one of the things, and I've been working with, uh, with folks at AT&T in particular on this issue. Um, my belief is that Universal broadband should be available to every K-12 student. Yep. Period. Yep. It's everyone should have broadband. We have we have set up a situation that is inequitable, and it's got to be fixed. We did. Uh, the school district did move forward to. We purchased uh, mobile hotspots, three thousand of them, and then we have uh, sixty buses, or I'm sorry, twenty-five buses that are equipped with. Um, Wi-Fi internet. So we're hoping that all 4,000 of our kids uh, can, or 4,000 households can access the internet through that. Cost us $750,000 to do that, uh, but that's what we're working on. Well, I'm very excited that we're doing these podcasts, Katie, because the average person, whether you have a child in the school district or not, doesn't hear uh, the particular issues that you're telling us about. Um, mm -hmm. They just they don't see how much the school district is doing and this uh, this ability to help out this marginalized population is just one of the instances where the school district goes way beyond the norm to take care of their kids. We, we, we really do and, um, and I'm so just so humbled by the dedication of our folks and I also want to give a shout out to all the people that are serving on our COVID-19 task force and our reopening task force there's about 50 people involved in meeting regularly, and that includes parents. And we have school-based staff, teachers and principals and counselors. We have central office and administrators. Uh, we have representatives from the community, from the business community, from the faith-based community, and of course the district health and uh, renowned pediatrics are also on those task forces. And I just I want to give a shout out to all of them for helping us think of everything. Well, let's talk about the reopen. If I read it correctly, the governor sort of gave you a task to have a plan to him within about 20 days. Well, the 20 days is actually um, before school would open um, is when we have ah, to have the decision made. Okay, got it. And the board of trustees will be meeting in a public meeting. Uh, we, we met on uh, June 9th and had a a very intense uh, presentation about it, and then we'll have another meeting on the 23rd of June, and our decision about what we're going to do with reopening, um, we will make finally on July 7th. And I, I want to tell you about some of the features of that, but first I want to point people to our website, which is www.washoschools.net, and then forward slash reopening, has all of the materials related to uh, the reopening. It has all of the minutes of the task force meetings, um, everything that's being considered. Uh, so it's a really good resource for folks who want to learn more about what we're doing. Fabulous. So on July 7th, um, it sounds like some decisions will have been made. 
and do you foresee that the schools will open on time in August? Absolutely. What's what's still being uh, discussed and debated is what will the model be for how we deliver education in the fall. Um, full distance learning is, of course, one end of that spectrum. And you know, we've had a we've had a full online school, K twelve school, North Star. Uh, for many years, and so you know, one of the options for families who are worried about sending their children back if there's not a vaccine, um, they have the opportunity to use uh, our online school to do full distance learning, even if we if we open the brick and mortar school some other way. Um, and then other options are that we would have some sort of blended learning model. Um, we have to keep in mind that we still have to do some social distancing. We still have to practice lots of, um, you know, hand washing and masks and all that sort of thing. But with social distancing, we are forced to look at some model of some of the kids not being in the school at part of the day. Right. So whether that's whether that's a morning and afternoon, or whether it's two days on and two days off, or whether it's varied by level, where you know. Elementary school kids are more on-site in bricks and mortar, and secondary schools are more distance learning. Um, you know that's going to have to be determined. But we, just to give you an idea of the of the magnitude of the expense, nationally the estimate is that it's going to cost about four hundred and ninety dollars per student to establish uh, reopening with all of the personal protective equipment, the physical infrastructure that has to be accommodated, transportation changes, because of course we can't cram kids into a school bus either, $490 per student. And that equates to about $31.5 million for Washoe County School District. To date, we've received about $9 million from the federal government. So we, it's a big lift to try yeah. to do this. Yeah, that um, yeah, you got me on that one, uh, Katie. I'm doing the math, and it's a little uh, it's a little daunting. Um, it, is, it is very daunting. The social distancing. I'm thinking about my granddaughter Lily, who you know. Um, how you social distance kindergartners or first graders? I mean, um, that's a daunting task. Yeah, it it really is. Of course, there are. Examples, you know, Denmark has been back in school this year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Has, has done very well. Um, you know, it's part, it's become part of the culture, teaching the kids about hand washing and, you know, all of those things. But you're right, it's, uh, it's daunting thinking about it when you, when you think about the class sizes that we would have to do. So the phase two social distancing, we would be limited to 16 children in a classroom of any grade. And of course, you know, at fourth grade and above, we sometimes have 35 kids in a classroom. Right. So that right. half the kids yeah. have to be doing something else. Um, we can't, you know, we can't hire twice as many teachers to be able to have teachers teaching distance learning in the afternoon and class in the morning because that teacher is going to have to be teaching the other half of the kids in the classroom if we do that. So it's a, it's a very, very challenging challenging uh, logistics to work out. So the task force, the reopen task force, this group of people that's obviously meeting um, quite often, has a whole list of, of questions that they need to answer. 
to be able to put this together. And we've uh, we've established some guardrails. Um, of course, you know the they're looking at all the logistics and the implications of those things, and we had to give them some guardrails to work within because we don't know whether there will be more money coming from the federal government or from the state. Of course, the state is strapped, as everyone right. knows. You know, right. eight hundred million dollar shortfall. Right. Uh, so we've given them the guardrails of trying to make it budget neutral, to do it within the budget that we already have, to make sure that our special education kids are taken care of, which is a very, very difficult challenge, uh, to make sure that our free and reduced lunch families are well taken care of, uh, and of course that transportation is um, made available. We transport more than 20,000 children every day, and uh, that's going to be a that's going to be the deal, maybe not deal breaker, but definitely the, the deal maker. How we well, do that? And I would imagine that in the beginning of the school year, you'll have quite a few more children on free and reduced lunch because of the economy and how many people have lost their jobs. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There'll be a whole population that um, has fallen into the low income category that perhaps weren't there before. You're absolutely right. And I mentioned earlier that it's been a priority of ours to make sure that every child is is connected with every day, and uh, and we set a goal of 100% of our 64,000 kids being engaged with every single day. Um, we had 100% at most of our schools. We hit 97% overall in the district. And you know some families don't even have a telephone at home. Um, so we had teachers making what we called porch visits, and they were actually going to homes. Because we know that in addition to the, the fragility of the economic stresses, um, we also have increased incidence of domestic violence and child abuse when everybody is you know, behind closed doors. So we've been checking on kids, making sure that their social welfare is, in, you know, is okay. And I want to add another uh, note for your listeners. Um, our Safe Voice program, which is a statewide program, is going on still while, while we're all off, and anyone who has any concerns about a child's welfare can call that number. It's 833-216-SAFE, S-A-F-E. Uh, I think that's 7233. Uh, if they have any concerns about uh, a child's safety and welfare to make sure that um, that report can be made. Well, Katie, that seems like a, a good way for us to wrap up this particular podcast on the reopen. Um, I'm very excited that we're going to do a whole series of these. If we can end it by saying what you see as the top priority for Washoe County School District in the face of COVID. Well, I think the top priority is to maintain our high academic expectations for all students while making sure that we attend to the whole needs of the whole child and make sure that they're safe, our staff is safe, and families are safe. Um, that's a fabulous goal, but I think we've outlined a little bit as to how much it's going to take to be able to meet that goal. That's right. That's right. And it's it's really, um, I think everybody has to has to be informed, uh, get the information that they need. And just one reminder, we do have a survey out right now open until June 26th uh, at washoeschools.net 
anyone who wants to, even if you don't have kids in the district, um, we, we welcome you to complete the survey. We're also asking students to complete it to let us know what your priorities are for reopening. Thank you, Katie. Next week we're going to do another podcast and talk about dis distance learning. Um, Katie and I are excited to be offering you a podcast every week on Washoe County School District. We've been talking today to Katie Simon Holland, a member of the Washoe County School District Board and past president of the school board and trustee representing at-large district west of the county. Thank you so much, Katie, for being on our podcast. And tune in next week where we hear about distance learning. And for all of our podcasts at Access to Healthcare, uh, you can reach them at accesstohealthcare.org slash podcasts. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Sherry.